Amen. I'm so excited to be with you guys. I'm just going to... Um... Tommy, can you help me lower this? It's like literally almost as tall as I am. I'm like... <laughs> Proudly five, like one and a half, you know. Yeah, that's perfect. Um, okay, guys, I'm so excited to be with you today. I have just felt... The joy of the Lord as we've been praying for you guys. My husband and I have been praying for this morning. What do you have for this group of people? But before we hop into the Word of God, I just want to introduce myself. I don't know if they're still back there. Are Parker and Zion still in the back? They left. Okay. Oh, they are. Oh, they're in the room now. Oh, that's amazing. They never go to the room. So that's a miracle. Uh, we have our two kids here with us. They're amazing. Um, their names are Parker and Zion. It's a really beautiful God story. I will give you the 30-second version right now. Chase and I, we were married for two years. I've been a part of Circuit Rider since it started in 2011. And let me tell you, Pioneering is so fun because when you stick with it and you stay faithful and then you watch things God has said come to pass, those who wait upon the Lord will not be put to shame. We're going to talk about that today. So my husband and I met in YWAM and then we, we've been in Huntington Beach. We were married for two years and we were like, man, we feel the Lord saying it's time to start a family. And the Lord said, don't get pregnant. And we were like, what does that mean? What? And so I said, I think we're supposed to adopt first. I think the Lord is calling us to adopt first. And then, so we went to this amazing adoption lawyer. There was so much favor. They'd heard of my music. I'm like, woo, this is God. We get home, Chase is like, I have no peace. I'm like, what do you mean you have no peace? That was like the favorite train of God in there, you know? And I just said, but I trust your discernment. I don't, let's wait on the Lord, you know? So then the Lord began to speak to us about Southern California and the foster care issue we have, which first starts not just with taking kids into our homes, but restoring families, restoring fathers and mothers that they could keep their children. And we just, our eyes were opened to the backyard of Orange County in Los Angeles. And we went, we have no idea what we're doing, but we're going to get approved for this and just run in head on. So we did. Parker's story will be his to share one day, so we don't share the details of his case. We fought hard for his family. His case did end in adoption. But while we were fostering him, when he was one month old, I thought, wow, this newborn thing is really kicking me hard. I am tired. I'm like, whoa, I know people talk about it, but I was like, those sleepless nights are getting to me, but I'm like, wow, it's really affecting me more than I thought it would, you know? I'm like, this lack of sleep. So I just keep going on, and I'm like, man, this is crazy. Chase is not doing as bad as I am. So my friend's like, you should take a pregnancy test. I was like, there's no way I'm pregnant, so I will just for you, you know? So I did it, and it was like such a fast, like two lines. I thought that meant negative, you know? So I'm like, whoo, not pregnant. <laughs> and then... Like, not even kidding you, like an hour later, I read the box, and I was like, give me another one of those things. I was like, wait a minute. And so we are boys. They're both four years old because they're 10 months apart. You'll see them. Zion's got like this curly fro thing going on because he doesn't want to cut it. And then Parker's just the most handsome little buddy. They're best friends, and it was just the best, like, 
Only God could have written that story. So, of course, Parker's case ended in adoption. His adoption date got set on his birthday. And, you know, of all the days in a year, you get that little notification of, here's your two dates to pick from. And we were like, no way. One of them is on his birthday. And so God is writing his story. It is a beautiful story. And we're just so proud of our boys. Anyway, so... Um, this is my husband, Chase. You saw him up here. He's amazing. We get to lead Greenhouse together, which is the house of prayer of circuit riders. So I also love you guys have, it's like the Greenhouse home groups. I love this imagery because I do think it is speaking to what God is doing all over the earth. And it's this place of dwelling in his presence, right? Greenhouses of his presence where we learn to abide. We learn to, to get to know Jesus. And from that place, we grow and we're fruitful so it was over when COVID had hit circuit riders. Raise your hand if you've never heard of circuit riders. Okay, that's awesome. All right, so for the 10 of you, I am going to help you right now. Circuit riders, like Tommy said, it's, it's, we're a mission space in Orange County. And the primary assignment we've done for the last 10 years is nights of worship and discipleship on college campuses. So we are based here, but on over... What is it? How many campuses now? 400 campuses across America and now Europe. And I'm telling you, you guys know this, but the harvest is ripe. And I'll tell you this, not just ripe, but people are hungry for the presence of Jesus. They're hungry to know how to walk and abide with Jesus. So when COVID hit, we went from being based here to always being on the go to every campus. There's no one on campuses. We can't leave. And so we were in this divine pause like everyone, right? Super disruptive, super crazy, but we all had a choice, right? Like I can either be filled with anxiety and feel crazy right now, which is how I felt most of the time. But we had this, this turning moment where we went, no, we're gonna build an altar in our home the same way we've been building altars on campuses and in the nations. And so my husband and I with the four girls that lived with us at the time, and our two kids, we just started worshiping and praying every day in our house over COVID. I, I mean, we wanted to invite people. We just literally couldn't, you know, because you're like, are your neighbors going to tell on us? I don't know. So you're just like, okay. But with the six of us, uh, eight, including my kids, we just began to build an altar in our home. And then the founder of YWAM, Brian Brent, calls us during COVID. And he's like, hey, it's time to start the house of prayer and circuit riders. And we're like, no way. It is. We feel that because yes, we are called to go. Yes, Jesus left, left us with the great commission. But our call, our call as disciples of Jesus is to know God, walk with God, learn how to abide in him, know his presence, right? To know God and make him known. Sometimes we can get caught up on the make him known part. It's like we miss the know him, which requires waiting on him. It requires knowing him, worshiping him, learning how to pray in the secret place, learning how to intercede for other things. So it has just been such a joy to exactly what Tommy was saying. I feel like Southern California has been in this beautiful shift the last five years. And you can just see it's not about names. It's not about a brand. No one cares anymore. I feel like we're watching celebrity Christianity, the giants falling. And, but no one really cares. 
No one's like, woo, the giant's falling. We're like, we never really cared about that giant. We're just doing our thing. But I think as people are finding places of, we just want Jesus, we just want to see him exalted, and we just want to see him touch the earth, it's getting rid of this need for a name or a fame. It's like, man, we want to see the power of God break out in homes, on the streets, in living rooms, wherever, you know? So, um, Long story short, that all led to the start of Greenhouse, which is the house of prayer in Circuit Riders. And raise your hand if you've ever been down to Greenhouse. Okay, a few of you. That's awesome. So, but all that to say, I just wanted to share our story with you guys to kind of catch you up of where I feel like we're even at right now. Like what is, does anyone else kind of feel that in Southern California right now? We're just, we're kind of like leaning in. Like, Lord, we're leaning into your leadership We're leaning in, and I just want to say just prophetically in this house that the presence will lead you, that the presence of God will lead you guys. And, you know, I wanted to talk a little bit about Joshua and a few things of just faith today. I want to talk about raw faith and just some, I would want to go through three stories, but I just feel even as during worship and as I'm sharing my story and talking about greenhouse, I feel that same groan in this house of, Lord, would your presence lead us? Would your presence guide us? What set apart Moses and Joshua? What made them great leaders? What made them see the change that God promised? They put the presence of God and seeking God at the forefront of everything. You know, and that can sound really ethereal sometimes, you know? The presence of God. Oh, and then it's like we walk out of the building, we get in a fight with someone, we're broke, and then we're like, okay, the presence of God is leading me. You know, it's like, what, what, is that, what does that mean? What does that mean? And I'm passionate about taking big language we use and big things we use, like revival, the presence of God. My, my heart today is that you walk out that door feeling I, my heart is burning more for Jesus, like I'm burning, and that's going to affect practical areas of my life. Because it's, we, can say, we can talk the talk. We, and we can all talk the talk. You know, it, that's so easy. Oh, Lord, I consecrate my life to you. You're my everything. I trust you with everything. Your presence guides me. Like, I can get up here and say all the things. But when I walk out of that door and the rubber meets the road, what are the decisions I'm making when nobody's watching? And what's, what's driving those decisions? What are my motives underneath decisions? And I think sometimes we can get caught up in the language and running to this place and running to this place. But I'm like, I don't, I'm like, I want God to grip my motives. I want God to grip our, what's our conscience, the part of our conscience that that affects our decision-making, that affects how we see things and view things. And, you know, I just remember when I, yeah, amen, when I got saved, it was in 2007, and I was born and raised in Oklahoma, Bible Belt. Anyone in here from Oklahoma? Okay, give me a city. What city? Okay, Tulsa. ORU, this makes sense. I was about to say we got some ORU. I love it. Okay, Um, so you guys would get it. It's amazing. Oklahoma's amazing because you're like, everyone's a Christian. Oh my gosh. Okay, we're all Christians. And if you're not, you're you're kind of an outsider, you know? And there's a church on every corner. You're like, amazing. You know, FCA's like massive. 
inclusive, any Christian club. And you're like, all right. So I grew up thinking we're just Christians. That's what we all do. Right? And then the older I got, I'm like, oh, this is good. It means I'm not going to hell. (laughs) Amazing. (laughs) Like, I'm in. Count me in. I'm not going to hell. Sign me up. And I had no revelation of the cross. No revelation of the pursuit of God. No revelation that the wages of my sin was actually death. What does that even mean? What do, do I even understand the weight that was bearing before the cross of Christ? Do I even understand the penalty that was at hand before Jesus shed his blood? And I remember it was in high school, it was, I was senior year, and there was this girl in my high school who was what I would, you know, I didn't have language for it then, but now I do, on fire for God. And I just remember thinking, she is so weird, but... <laughs> Every time I'm around her, I burn. I want to be around her. I I didn't know anything about speaking in tongues or praying for the sick. And so I would like literally walk into her house like this because her parents would be like, oh my gosh, I'm like, ah! I'd be like, oh, get me out of here. It's like, I don't know what's going on. And, you know, it was like the, it was the classic, you know what I'm talking about, you know what I'm talking about. The high school parents that host like the Friday night hangouts, but like have an agenda to like blast all the friends with the Holy Spirit. But you like don't know that, you authentically don't know that. And then you're like, I want to leave. I would like to leave right now. That was me. But even though I was like resistant, something in me was like, I want this but I I didn't have language. I didn't know what it was. So even though I was super freaked out, like 90% of the time, I kept wanting to be around this person. I kept wanting to go to their house because what was I experiencing? The presence of God. I just didn't have language for it. This is so funny too, because, um, you know, like I graduated high school in 07. Anyone else graduate in 07? Okay, I feel like, yeah, there were some millennials in here. Let's go. Um, So, like, I had, like, the CD player with, like, the multiple disc thing, you know, where you're, like, switch to disc three. Yes, yes. And I remember, like, she had burned me some CDs, you know? Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, you know, LimeWire. She's like, hey, yeah, thank you. I needed to take a temperature test. Who's in the room right now? Um, Okay. Um, Like, she's like, hey, I burned you this CD. And I'm like, okay. And I put it on. And I remember all I wanted to do was listen to that CD. Why? I didn't know. It was actually the old school CFNI. Um, Until you be all the glory. Anyone? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Look at the way the flowers bloom for you. Yeah, yeah. They want to show you the beauty, Lord. I'm like, what are they talking about? I'm never going to look at a flower and be like, Lord, look how that's blooming for you. Until you be all the glory. Like, I'm like, what are they singing? This is so weird. But I was like, I feel the presence of God. And so I began to have these moments where I'm going, what is that? What is that? And that's when my heart, it was like, you know, it talks about in Song of Solomon, she's like looking for her beloved. When I think about that season of my life, that's what I think of. It was like, I found why I was made, 
but I didn't have the truth yet. I didn't have the full story of the gospel for me to grab a hold of because my, my view was believe in Jesus to not go to hell. And I went, that's not enough though for what I'm experiencing. That's not enough for what I'm encountering. It feels like I'm encountering a person. It feels like I'm encountering someone who loves me. I feel free when I sense this presence of God. You know, and did you know that presence translated? In, it's, I'm forgetting the word. I had it written down for you guys on a piece of paper. And now here I have my iPad. Amazing. Um, it means the face of God. The presence, anytime the, pre, the word presence is mentioned, is literally translated his face. And now I'm like, this makes sense. I feel like I was getting to know someone. Like I was getting to know their eyes. I was getting to know how they talk. I was getting to know them, but I didn't have language. And I will never forget, I just went, it was affecting me enough to where I went, I have to find out if this is real or not. And some of you may be there. You may be right there in your story, going, I've heard this stuff. I know the stuff, I know the right thing to say, I know the right thing to do, but I need to meet the person. And God wants that for you more than you want it for yourself. And so I feel like today, I just wanna rip back. When we prayed, I just felt like there was this unbelief that it's not from the inside, it's an unbelief that comes from the outside. It comes from the culture we live in. It comes from, from just what we're around, right? And unbelief, what it does is it keeps us from seeing God for who He rightly is. And so we believe God would withhold from us, or we believe God wouldn't want to bless us, or He wouldn't want to help us or heal us, because we can have literal veils of unbelief that we've become accustomed to, and we call it normal. So let's keep going, and we're going to look at some scriptures, and then we're just going to pray. And we're going to cry out. I just believe some of you are going to experience the love of God today like maybe you never have before. Not because I've got something great to say or they're going to hit a minor chord or we sing, He loves us, but because you have a personal revelation of the love of God for you because you have encountered the truth and the truth has set you free. So as I'm encountering these things about the presence of God, I just knew I'm like, I have to do something. So I just went to my parents. I said, can I take a gap year? I need to find God. And I think they were like, sure, <laughs> amazing. You know, some people are like, oh, my parents really wanted me to go to school. I don't know what my parents were thinking. They were like, love it, go for it, bye. I was like, okay. So I did, and I literally Googled. I thought, where can I find God? I don't know why I thought this, but I thought, be a missionary. That had to have been the Holy Spirit. Why would I want to be a missionary? I didn't even know like if I fully believed in the whole gospel yet. Because I was just like, I just am believing in Jesus to not go to hell. But that's not matching up with what I'm experiencing when I have moments of His presence. In His presence. Getting to know His presence. So it was just, had to have been the grace of God. Because I googled mission school. And then this YWAM came up. I'm like, what is YWAM? But I clicked on it and I don't know. I just looked at that and I said, I'm supposed to go there. And I remember I had the thought, I don't know if you can hear God. No one's ever talked to me about that. No one had ever like, except for that house, you know, but that was just a lot for me to take in. So I was just like, you know, they're like, I'm talking to God this morning. And I'd be like, I'm out of here. Like, what's going on? You're talking to God. Um, but I remember thinking, when I looked at this computer screen, I went, I don't know if you can hear God, 
But if you can, I think I just did. Because it was like this resounding go. And I knew, and then I had a picture. I didn't know God spoke in pictures. So now I'm like, I'm hallucinating. This is amazing. I'm like, what is going on? I had this picture that I'm running. And there was these kids and there was these two kids. And I thought, oh, I need to grab, like, I need to grab their hands. And then all these other kids come and I, in the picture, I'm like, I'm out of arms. But then the Lord supernaturally begins to grow out hands for me to run and take all these kids. And I, guys, I still have not like, I'm like, okay, this is a crazy picture. And off I go to YWAM. So I, in 2007, showed up to Kona, Hawaii, which is the largest YWAM base. Anyone ever been to Kona? Let's go. Okay. Um, okay, so I get there. And you're just like, what am I doing here? Because you're, it's this, it's called a discipleship training school. My DTS was like 50 people. And then you just realize like, everyone's here for different reasons. I'm here because I'm wondering like, is God real? Um, other people are there because they're like authentically on fire. Other people are there because their parents sent them. Other people are there because they're like, my mom did YWAM, you know? And you're like, okay. So you have this bunch of people in a, a discipleship training school. And I remember the first week, um, it was good. I just remember thinking, okay, this is great. And then the second week came and it was like the father heart of God. I'm like, yeah, he's a father. Cool. I love this. Like, you know, I've learned about this growing up. Like I said, born and raised in the church, whole thing. Third week, someone is speaking. They start talking about the love of God and how for God so loved the world, he sent his only son. And there's no greater love than this, than one who would lay down his life for his friend. And they begin to talk about the love of the cross of Christ, that there was a lamb who was slain, that the wages of our sin was death, but Jesus came and he took that debt through his blood. And they, they were talking about the sacrifices the priests had to make and how Jesus was the final sacrifice and what that actually meant at the cross when Jesus died. And it says, and the veil was torn from top to bottom. That meant this holy place with Jesus is now accessible to us. I'm sitting there going, if this is true, why didn't anyone tell me? I just will never forget it. Every time I share it, I'm right back there. Because I went, if this is true, this changes everything. If this is true, I'll never be the same. If this is actually true, if this is actually true, then we actually can see the world changed. We can actually see people discipled. And I just, it's like I'm listening to him talk. I don't know where he's going to land, but all I can think is there's no way this is real and no one ever told me. I was surrounded by Christians my whole life and no one just ever preached this simple and pure gospel to me and said, Lindy, Jesus died on the cross for you. He loves you. This life, it's a vapor. He's given you an eternal destiny with him. Listen, you've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer you who live, but Christ who lives in you. And this life you live in the flesh, you now live by faith in the Son of God who loves you and gave himself up for you. And I just like, I don't even know what to do right now. So this is so classic. At the end, I'm sitting there. I'm feeling what I felt around that girl. I'm feeling what I felt when I went into her house. I'm feeling these things. And then our, our DTS leader gets up there. He's like, I feel like God's doing something in the room, so we're going to respond. I'm like, okay, maybe I'm not the only one feeling like intense trembling right now. What I was feeling was raw surrender. I want to give my life. 
I want to surrender my life. If this is real, then all the depression I've dealt with, not knowing why, it was one of those mysterious things as a 12-year-old, I started having great, like, I mean, deep depression. My parents reached out for help. No one knew what was going on. As a 12-year-old, you're just confused when you have that. So I was, I mean, riddled with depression, gripped with self-hatred, like just couldn't even look in the mirror. I mean, it was just, you know, I had like a, such a wrong perception of who I was. It was like my self-hatred had gotten so deep. I didn't even know there was a way out. I didn't even, I just thought this is just my life. It's my story, you know? So he's like, we're just going to respond. He's like, there's a song that came out yesterday called How He Loves on YouTube. I'm proud of my age. Okay, I'm almost 35. Um, and it was like right when How He Loves came out by the Kim Walker Jesus Culture video. So he's like, I feel like God's doing something in the room. So I'm just going to put this on. And he puts it on in that first line. He's jealous for me. I'm like, I, I, I feel like I know that now. I would have just heard a, wor- a line. Like five hours ago, that just would have been lyrics that went in one ear, out the other. But because I'm having a revelation of the cross and what he did and what was finished, I'm hearing, he is jealous for me, loves like a hurricane, I am a tree. I'm like, yes, that's me. I am a tree in a hurricane right now. What in the world? I'm like, yes. And, and this word, this song is literally describing what's happening to me in this moment. And then all I remember was falling down and then like four hours later waking up and people were like, are you okay? And I was like, <laughs> I think so. And they were like, you've been literally on the ground. Like you sang spontaneous songs. You... Like, literally, they were like, you would start singing a song, and we're like, is she awake? And then you'd be like, and I was like, really? Yeah, and then apparently, I don't remember this, but I I guess right before I, like, woke up, I did the whole song of, I love you, Lord, like, laying there, and I live my voice. I didn't even know I knew the whole song and every word. Like, I grew up in the church, but, and I will tell you, I got up from that moment never the same. I have never looked back and the love of Jesus branded and changed my life. And it was a moment that I went, that's the salvation encounter. I always wondered if it existed. I always, I would read the Bible and you'd read things Paul says and you go, what? I don't fully get it. Well, now I'm reading the Bible and reading what Paul says. And I'm like, yes, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call in Christ. I count it all as loss for the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. So if you want to, I feel like there's that groan. There's there's hunger right now. Oh God, we're hungry. We want to see your presence invade our lives, our workplaces, our families. But where that starts, it starts alone with you and God, knowing what the cross did for you, that Jesus took your place, that Jesus took your sin, that the wages of your sin was death, but the gift of God is Jesus Christ, who has given you eternal life. This is the good news of Jesus. This is the good news of the gospel, that you don't have to come perfect. You can come as you are. Shame has robbed us for too long. When I got up from that moment, I remember, this sounds so silly, 
But I'm like, I'm the weird person now. Okay, <laughs> here we are. Um, I got up, I looked in the mirror, and I looked physically different. My eyes were bluer. I didn't, and I remember looking going, I don't hate myself. Yes. What? And I didn't even know how much I hated myself until I had this moment with the love of God. Here's the thing. Sometimes we focus so much on our sin, we get deeper in our sin. But instead, we need to let the love of God come wash us clean. We need to focus on what the cross has done. We need to focus those hands that bled mercy. Oh, your mercy. And it's so funny. We don't realize how much we get caught up in our own self-righteousness, myself included, where we go, I've got this. It's good. I don't got this. I need God. I need God. This year has been such a crazy year. I feel like my health has like, I feel like so many people, it's like weird health things, you know? And right before Chase and I got married, I, we were on a campus and I remember I was laying there and I went, I can't get up. I can't get up. And I, you know, went, I got my thyroid tested, found out I had a thyroid condition, all the things and da, 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 da. da. And I remember my first mentality is push through. You got this, Lindy, push through. You're, you're a disciple of Jesus. And I just never found any breakthrough there. There is a place of perseverance. But you can't even persevere in your own strength. Perseverance comes from the Holy Spirit. Pressing on comes from Him. So this is just a reminder, if you feel stuck in sin, if you feel like, man, I have actually hidden sin I've never even told anyone about, that could be really real, all right? Do not let shame keep you from the cross. Shame will keep you from the cross thinking, God wants nothing to do with me, but I'm just gonna stay a casual Christian, experience the presence of God. But what happens is shame is you, you begin to slowly lose your connection with Jesus because you stop believing that His blood is bigger than your sin. When we make our sin bigger than Jesus's blood, we have now put ourselves in front of God saying, I've got this. But he is up there. He's interceding on our behalf saying, my blood took that. You don't have to hide. You can run to the cross. You can run to the Father where my arms are open wide. I think one thing Jesus is doing in this hour is he is reviving the beauty of the word repentance. We hear the word repentance and we're like, I'm in trouble with God. Woe is me. And I just feel like the Holy Spirit's like, no, this is amazing. Like, because of my blood, we engage our will. And I say, you know what? The other day in the car, I, I realized there was a, there's a situation in my life right now where I had so much fear. And I knew I was having fear, but I was like, I'm not having fear. <laughs> what happens? That's what I call self-righteousness. It's the self-righteousness. And I just, I, I was like, no, I'm good. I'm not, I'm, I'm not afraid. And I dropped my kids off from school and it was like, I felt the Holy Spirit like, I'm here if you wanna talk. And I was like, I'm good. <clears throat> and then I just went, all right, Lord, I'm terrified. I'm terrified of a bad outcome from a situation right now. I am afraid. And once I said it, I was like, oh, it's like, you're not mad at me. 
You're like weeping over me. Give me the fear. Give me the fear. I took it on the cross. Give me the fear. Give me the fear. Maybe you're in here and you're going, man, I've had sin issues of addiction. I can't get free of. Jesus is not up there going, you've had multiple opportunities to get free and now it's time. He's like, oh, I took it on the cross. I want it more than you realize. Give me your addiction. It's going to be a hard road, but I'm going to be with you. Because my favorite part of the Great Commission is, surely I will be with you to the end of the age. Surely I will be with you. And I feel like unbelief, right? And this is what I feel like today. We are saying, Jesus, we are throwing off unbelief. And we are saying every lie we've believed that we've got to earn our way to the presence where we've listened to shame and we have let shame define our relationship with Jesus. We are saying this is not true. This is not what scripture says. And we are standing in the truth going, there is a God rich in love, full of mercy, who laid down his life that we may know him and be free and be living life and life abundantly. Oh, okay. Let me reel it in. Um, Here's the other thing. Listen, I'm going to go somewhere and sometimes people are like, Lindy, Um, but we're going to go there. The Bible never says, follow Jesus and everything will be perfect. The Bible says, get ready for persecution. I'm going to be with you. It says, what perseverance strengthens us? It says, you will go through trials, but it's going to strengthen your faith, right? And then we go through a trial and we're like, I just don't even know if God's real. Um, I'm actually deconstructing now. I don't know. I just don't know. Guys, I have no problem with deconstructing if you're deconstructing things that are not God. I'm like, sometimes we need to deconstruct and get back to the Bible. Am I right? Like, people are like, I'm deconstructing. I'm like, what are you deconstructing? I'm like, oh, that's good. You should keep deconstructing that and just keep building it on the Word of God. Build it on the Word of God. Okay, so we've got like 15 minutes, and I've not even gotten to where we're going. So just go to Mark. We'll just go to Mark. Here we go. Is this making sense? Is anyone? Okay. Okay. Um, All right. We're going to start here. We're actually going to start in Mark 10. Then we'll go back to Mark 2 later. Um, I want you to go to Mark 10, 46. Probably all familiar with this story. It's blind Bartimaeus. I'm just going to read it really quick. They came to Jericho. As he was leaving Jericho with his disciples in a great crowd, Bartimaeus, a blind beggar, the son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And many rebuked him, telling him, be quiet. But he cried out all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stopped and said, call him. And they called the blind man saying to him, take heart, get up, he's calling you. Throwing off his cloak, he sprang up and came to Jesus. Jesus said to him, what do you want me to do for you? And the blind man said to him, Rabbi, let me recover your sight. Let me recover my sight. And Jesus said to him, go your way, your faith has made you well. And immediately he recovered his sight and followed him on the way. Okay, 
a few things here. Blind Bartimaeus cannot see. He had only heard of what Jesus had done. And even just what he heard, he had the faith to believe who God was and who God is and who God would be to him. So this is kind of the next place I want to take us is how are we growing in the knowledge of God? What does this look like? You know, it's like to have, what, what is this faith like blind Bartimaeus? What does that look like? What does that mean? How do you get there? Just from what he had heard, he knew he was the son of David. Now, someone in that time would have known the son of David if they had memorized the Torah. Uh, Torah um, they, they would have had a lot of knowledge about who the son of David was right? So he's there going, son of David, don't pass me by. I know who you are and I know you can do it. I know you can heal me. And this is the faith that God is calling us into. And just, you don't have to turn there, but I just, this was the one thing I felt. If you were to leave with something to hold on to today, it'd be 2 Corinthians 10, 3 through 5. For though we wage war, we do not wage war according to the flesh, but we've been given divine weapons to tear down, what? Strongholds, arguments, and lofty opinions that come against the knowledge of God. What does that mean? How you know God is the greatest weapon you can carry. It says, you know, the word is a sword of the spirit. The word of the Lord is like a sword dividing soul and spirit. It's like a double-edged sword. The word of the Lord, who Jesus is, for though we wage war, according to the, for though we wage war, we've been given divine weapons to tear down arguments and lofty opinions against the knowledge of God. What does this mean? Blind Bartimaeus is sitting here going, I know he can heal me. Arguments and lofty opinions are saying, be quiet. You're embarrassing us. He can't do it. But he goes, no, no, I know who he is. Son of David, don't pass me by. You're going to have people and situations in your life that go, don't do that. Shh, shh. But, but your walk with Jesus and knowing him will be your song. It will be your strength. It will be your song. It says, I have counted all as lost for the surpassing worth of what? Knowing Jesus. So how do you get to know Jesus? I just want to give you three practical things. Number one, the biggest thing, if you could take away today to go, I'm going to put a line in the sand and I'm going to get in my word every day. It can seem mundane, but in the word is where you get to know Jesus because do you believe God is who he says he is or and are we letting the Bible or culture define who we say God is because if we let culture and things we're just inspired by define who God is for us you will be disappointed Right, But when you take what is in scripture and you, and you read the word and you devour it and you say yes to truth and you walk in fellowship and you engage in prayer and worship and these things, Jesus, he gave us these little, like, it's like he gave us just enough to say yes, 
but just little enough to where we can find multiple expressions of it. That's why there's multiple denominations. There's multiple things. But he has given us these things. Come to me. Pray. Intercede. Worship. Read the word of God. Know the word of God. And so if you're like, how do I get to know the word of God? Or how do I get to know Jesus in a greater way in scripture? I've done this the last few times I've spoken. And I just feel like the testimonies I've heard from it. I just want to share this with you. Maybe you sing, maybe you don't. But when you open up the Word of God and you read it, pray it, and sing it, it does something. It will begin to let the Word of God grip you in a way that you're like, I didn't even know. I feel like I'm thinking differently. I'm not thinking negative thoughts anymore like I used to, or, or serious doubt that used to grip me, or serious things that used to grip me. What's happening? And I'll go, oh, when I'm meditating on Scripture, I see that difference so drastically in my life. And something, I'm just going to turn to a psalm, and just, is that okay? Can I just like give you a quick example? Um, this was not premeditated and we'll wrap up after this. We're going to pray and we'll wrap up, but, um, this has been so fun today. Okay. Psalm 96. Oh, sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord, all the earth. Sing to the Lord, bless his name. Tell of his salvation from day to day. Oh Lord, would you give me a new song? Put a new song on my lips. God, I want to sing to you. Would you even teach me how to bless your name? I want to bless your name. I want to bless the name of Jesus. Would you reveal your name to me? Lord, that your name is endless. God, and would you teach me what it means to tell of your salvation from day to day? So I'll read it, I'll pray it, and then I'll literally just, oh, sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord and bless his name. I will tell of your salvation from day to day, and I'll sing it again. I will sing to the Lord a new song. Oh, sing to the Lord, oh, the earth. But then I'll, I'll, I'll go off. Let every heart in every song just scream of your worth, Jesus. Oh, sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. You guys are getting it. See, it's like now I, I suddenly now memorize Psalm 96. It actually took me like 10 seconds. I realized I don't have to look at the last two lines anymore. I got it, I think. Um, but I just wanted to share this with you because I'm, I'm sharing this story about how we want the presence of God, but the cross is the center of the presence of God. And we've got to know what Jesus rescued us from to live a life of just being drenched and led in the presence of God, right? But then there comes this moment after salvation where we've got to make that step to go, I am living to grow in the knowledge of God because how I get to know you now is forever. And this revelation of eternity, God is increasing in our midst because it's the hope. He's our hope. He's, our, he, he's the hope to which we are called. And what's beautiful is as you get to know Jesus now, think about it like this. The Lord wants us to have fellowship and fun and friends and all the things. And oh, but this one part of your life, as you get to know God, is forever. Yes. Meaning you're going to see him one day. You're going to see Jesus one day and you're going to go, I got to know that side of you. I saw that. I searched for that side of you and I found it. And you're going to go, oh, this relationship, it's forever. 
forever. But he's unsearchable. So we're also going to see him one day and go, ah, like I had no idea. You were this majestic. You were this good. You are this wonderful. You are this awesome. So I just, if we can stand up, we're just going to pray to close. Is anyone, just raise your hand if you feel like, man, my heart is burning. I just want to know you more, Jesus. Lord, I thank you that hunger is like a magnet for you, Jesus. And we just say in this place, we are hungry for you. And I just want to pray right now, every ounce of unbelief that has kept people stuck in places of thinking, God doesn't want you, God doesn't love you. We just say unbelief, go in Jesus' name. Father, I ask you would just fall in this room with the gift of faith this morning. I ask that the gift of faith would come and cover our hearts and grip our hearts. Unbelief says God doesn't, God can't, and God won't. But faith says God can, God does, and God will. And we're saying like blind Bartimaeus, we know who you are, and we're saying, Son of David, have mercy, don't pass us by. I ask that you would grip Evergreen Church with such a deep knowledge of God, that there would be a knowledge of the Holy One. There would be a knowledge of the Lamb of God. There would be a knowledge of the cross of Christ that begins to touch LA in a way no eye has seen, no ear has heard. Holy Spirit, I ask where there's been shame that you would just begin to wipe it away. God, I ask that your love will begin to saturate this room. The love of Jesus that has no end. Lord, we know that faith has to do with rest. Because when we have faith in you, it's because we've responded to your love for us. So I ask Jesus for a revelation of your love to wash over hearts this morning, Jesus. We need you, Jesus. Thank you for your love, Jesus.
Lord, we just ask from, from here that as we're meeting you in this moment, as we're, as we're driving in our cars and we're homes, we would feel, oh Lord, I feel the flame of love. I know the flame of love. Jesus, we just believe by faith that today is an impartation of the gift of faith in Jesus' name. Lord, I ask for testimonies of breakthrough over the next few days, and I just see that there's people who got free of shame today. And if that's you, find someone and go, I have been hiding. I have felt like I can't be honest. I felt like I can't be truthful. But now I see, I see that that was, it was disillusionment, right? The cross, he took it on the cross. And so Lord, we just thank you for any shame that was broken today. We thank you for fear and unbelief, Lord, that has, has been bound as we just exalt you for who you are. And Lord, we ask you would seal in our hearts today what is of you, what's not, let it fall to the ground. But Lord, we thank you for your presence. We ask increase our awareness of your presence. We glorify you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. We thank you, Lord.